Let's get uh, things going and kick things off this week. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Seattle NFT Museum's weekly Twitter space. Uh, this is our Twitter space series where we reveal kind of behind the scenes of what it's like to run an NFT museum. This week, we're so excited to have one of our featured artists here join, joining with us today, Licia Hu. So we have a couple of pieces of Licia's in our current exhibition titled Gen XX. So this exhibition is meant to highlight female identifying artists uh, who are producing generative artwork. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to ask Licia much more about this uh, moving forward, but just to give everyone a little bit of an idea of what to expect today. If you're joining for the first time, so excited to have you here. Uh, we spent about 30 minutes asking Licia some questions. Um, we, we've done a lot of research, so Jonathan is going to lead that for us. And then before we close up, we'll spend about 15 minutes um, asking questions from all of you listeners. So if you have a question, uh, be thinking of that, raise your hand at the end, and we're going to get to as many as possible before we have to close up this series. Uh, so everyone, again, thank you for joining our series. Um, if you have ideas for other topics that you'd like to have us cover in the future, always uh, feel free to send us a DM. We're excited to be as transparent as possible. Ultimately, we'd love to see more places popping up everywhere uh, as a way to just make it really easy and accessible for people to learn about NFT art. So hopefully they can walk in the doors, uh, learn about NFT art, and, and walk out with some new favorite artists. Uh, so I want to hand things over now to Jonathan, who is joining from the Seattle NFT Museum Twitter handle, who will kick things off with our Q&A with Licia. Yeah, thank you so much for that introduction, uh, Jennifer. And Licia, thank you so much again for being here. And I am so excited to start this conversation off. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, it is our privilege uh, to be talking with Lisa Ha, a generative artist and a human-computer interaction researcher. Um, she entered the world of generative art to connect her passion and art through technology and is currently a full-time artist based in London. So we're super excited to have her here. It's very late for her, so um, it is a, a very treat. And um, Lisa has been focusing on binding her digital and physical painting practices through plotters. So I can't wait to dig in. Um, Lisa, if you can tell us a little bit about uh, your journey and who you are and combining your background and, and whether it's an art studio or computer science and, and information science to create generative art, I'd love to just kind of dive into your world and see how it all began. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Jennifer and Jonathan, for inviting me. Um, quite a pleasure to be here uh, virtually. Um, yeah, so a bit more about myself. Uh, I am Lisa He, and uh, um, I started making um, art, you know, since a very young age. I actually had an art major. Um, so when I was in college, I was majoring in art and computer science. Uh, but the issue I had at that time was that um, I went to a very small liberal art college and uh, I learned those two disciplines really separately. So there was no connection at all, which is why um, I always didn't know how to combine those passions of mine together. Um, I learned processing probably like in my third year of college or something uh, many years ago. 
but never really did any generative art until uh, much later uh, in 2000, around 2017. Uh, so that's the time when I started making more of a web-based generative art just as a side hobby. Um, so I think my, uh, I, I truly <laughs> find my passion for generative art in about 2019 when I um, saw my plotters. Uh, so I uh, find the plotter during my internship and uh, really just loved it and have been doing a lot of Python-based work um, with plotters. Um, and I, when I started working on plotters and uh, making generative paintings with my plotters, I really didn't know <laughs> what this journey will take me. I didn't have any expectations. Um, but later on, I found myself to be so attracted to this practice. So I just kept going and uh, uh, very luckily got a few very uh, amazing opportunities to exhibit and also sell my artworks. Um, so, so far I had several uh, major releases and exhibitions, um, so including Ferrofile Art Box and, uh, of course, the Seattle um, NFT Museum, which I, I think had two uh, exhibitions, uh, so one last year and one this year. Very grateful for all those opportunities. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a quick high-level overviews, and I'm definitely super excited uh, to become a full-time artist uh, this year. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing and, and really introducing me to even just the plotting world. I know it hasn't, it's been here for a while, but I really started to dive in and see how you use different materials or even in getting inspired that it can be way later down um, when you're reinventing and finding these passions. And so thank you for, for sharing and doing that and, and discovering that. Um, I do have a question of just like, how do you approach the creation of your NFT artwork? And, you know, what role does technology play in the creative process, whether it's through plotters or any other tech that you've used? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great question. And I think it's, uh, it's also kind of a question that I feel like I need to uh, separate a little bit. So the first step of the process is to figure out what kind of art or how are you creating your art piece. And then the second is perhaps uh, why NFT and uh, how NFT. Um, for the first part, I think um, for any artist, it's really uh, kind of a personal practice where you have to find your voice through your art. Um, so if, uh, for generative artists, it might be a matter of finding a tool finding a library or finding um, kind of approach that you want to use to create your art. Uh, so for me, uh, I sometimes could be a little control freak about my code. Uh, so I prefer to know every single detail about my system, about my code. Uh, so I actually do a lot of homebrewing, uh, writing my own mini libraries to make my art. Uh, so it's a, a cumulative process that, that takes a lot of time um, to kind of grow. Um, and in terms of what kind of, um, I guess, art style or, or like topic or concept, I think I just find a lot of uh, inspirations from my daily life, from things around me, uh, from my personal experience, my emotions, uh, all of that topics. Um, and I guess the, another uh, important aspects of this is why NFT, right? why uh, making generative crypto art. Um, and I think uh, for me personally, I think uh, NFTs really gave generative art 
a new um, aspects. So previously, a lot of generative artists, uh, we are creating artwork, um, but we are limited in terms of how we could um, share that artwork, uh, because what we share is basically a view, but not ownership. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, um, making a generative artist uh, in a little bit of a disadvantaged stage because we basically have no way uh, to survive based on our artwork. And that's true for many uh, digital artists previously. Uh, so I think having um, NFT, having blockchain technology is a fantastic way of actually um, having a way to value our art and our creations. Um, so in a way, I think I, I really um, am excited about the technology. And the last year when I visited the Seattle NFT Museum, I saw all of the <laughs> amazing um, uh, kind of documentations of the blockchain technology, which is uh, super exciting. And I'd highly encourage uh, everyone to go check it out if you can. Um, okay, so where am I? Uh, I think that that probably summarizes my answer for this question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That that was great. Um, and just to piggyback off of that one, do you do you see a change of approach whenever you do um, decide whether that piece of art is going to be made by a specific uh, technology? Like, I know you use your plotters, but then there's sometimes you do the watermarks, uh, the water paintings, and stuff. Like, does any of that change from the beginning of like, okay, well, I can't. I have this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I could go this way. And then from there you explore even more um, through that. Like, does that, you do you get like a narrowed approach when you choose that specific technology for that because you know what it can make? Mm, yeah, so actually uh, I do. So I, um, I think there are two parts, uh, well, there are many parts, but majorly two parts in my creation process. The first part is uh, kind of ideation. So figuring out the core concept of a piece. And that step is normally done just by hand. So doing a lot of rapid sketches, doing some journaling, uh, writing down concepts. Um, and then uh, I move on to some testings. Uh, so when I'm doing my testings, I'm normally using Python. Uh, so it's a programming language um, and uh, it's a language that I'm most mostly comfortable with. Uh, so I can do uh, mini testing at a very uh, kind of fast pace. Uh, so after I do those mini testings, I normally just, you know, imagine what the output should be. So um, currently I do mostly uh, two separate types of artwork. The first part is the Python uh, and plotter work. Uh, so those works are essentially going to be rendered physically with a plotter. It's either like pen or uh, watercolor or some other kind of material. Uh, so it is really important to take those material into considerations. Um, so uh, I'd say a lot of the kind of design or creative decisions are actually impacted by those restrictions or kind of uh, like characteristics that come up with the, uh, like that are associated with the uh, plotting material. And uh, the second type of artworks that I uh, am currently doing is those pure digital um, and uh, uh, mostly online uh, long form generative art pieces. Uh, so those are uh, browser based artworks. So they have to be implemented uh, with JavaScript. 
Um, so they can still use very similar structures and you know directly implementing the concepts that I have generated. Uh, but when I'm doing uh, those types of works, I have kind of different set of considerations to think about. Uh, for instance, when I'm doing with plotter work, I mostly don't think about um, opacity or like transparency because everything is solid. If you put one line, it's one solid line. It's difficult to say this is 30% uh, opacity with watercolor, uh, right? But if you are working with uh, web-based or like, let's say screen-based, uh, there are different sets of attributes that I can consider. Um, yeah, so overall, I'd say, yeah, uh, physical work um, and the digital works, they have perhaps the same uh, origins, like the same way of thinking and the same way of concepting, uh, but really the rendering and the implementations are quite different, at least for me. Yeah, no, awesome. That's super interesting, and especially just hearing your different approaches for the specific ones. And I know your artwork explores like ways to record and present information around you. Um, how do you choose the information to record and what messages do you hope to convey through your art? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I really like the line. So I graduated from uh, University of Michigan School of Information and uh, I, I have a PhD in information science. The <laughs> kind of the tagline that our school has uh, is uh, information is everything. Right. So if you think about it, that is actually true. It's everything and it's all around us. Everything around us can be treated as data, right? So we can treat the weather as a data. We can treat our emotion as a data. We can treat what time we go to bed as a data. Um, so it's all data around us. And uh, it's just so much data around us that it's difficult to um, capture everything. Uh, so in a way, I think my art as uh, sort of a method to record some of that. Um, and um, when I get started with generative art, I was actually literally recording <laughs> data around me. Uh, so I was uh, doing more of a data visualization uh, or data inspired generative art rather than just uh, more freeformed art. Um, at this moment, uh, I don't, strictly speaking, have more like, you know, numerical data associated with my piece. Uh, but I think of my artwork as a way to um, basically capturing my uh, experience. Uh, for example, uh, I recently moved to London, right? So that's a, a huge uh, relocation to have. And as a result, I felt like my newest collection, uh, Sparkling Goodbye, really had a lot of that uh, relocation vibe or like a changing vibe uh, into it. So I'm really uh, kind of glad and, uh, you know, honored that I have this ability to uh, record my information through my art. Amazing. And do you feel like a lot of that, uh, the data recognition comes from your love of math and just like wanting to keep like that statistical um, fix? Great question. I love math, but honestly, I don't think it's really uh, inspired by the art aspects. Um, it's more, maybe inspired more by the um, computer science aspects. So a lot of kind of nerdy, a nerdy, <laughs> geeky uh, inspirations <laughs> from my education. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we love that. So it's okay. I'm on the same boat. I I, I tell my nieces and nephews all the time. It's uh it's way cool to be a nerd <laughs> because you get to know all this cool information. So 
Um, I definitely resonate a lot with that too. And I've noticed that within my own stuff. So that's amazing. Um, and thank you for sharing. And uh, I wanted to ask too, like, you know, you say you have a whole bunch of stories within your pieces of art and everything. How do you hope to, you know, use your NFTs that you created to impact the art world? And, and what story are you trying to portray over? Um, so when I think about my art, I normally avoid thinking about how my art is going to impact the art world. Uh, because that feels like a, a task that is too grand for me to think about. Uh, I think my art really are created for myself. Uh, so those are the pieces that, you know, I would make even if no one is looking at because I am definitely my biggest fan of my artwork and I would be able to stare at, at, to, to stare at them all day, even if no one uh, likes them. So um, in a way, I felt like my art pieces are quite personal and I'm really, you know, thrilled and glad that I have people who actually like my work and uh, they would tell me that they feel connected to this work or they felt like they um you know it have changed their um feelings or impacted them in some way i think that's a you know great recognition for artists to know um but at the same time um i feel like i have to be true to myself and to to my voice so mostly uh yeah i don't think about how my art is going to impact it <laughs> Sometimes that's those are the most breathtaking ones, right? Where you can't even describe it and you're like, yeah, I just don't know. It's a feeling. It just came out and uh, you're in love with the whole creative process of it. I mean, I, I see your, your pieces of art and it's so interesting to just stare at and to, depending on the day, depending on like the mood, the light outside, it just reflects a bit differently and it's all different colors. And one of them that really stood out to me that I love to look at um, has been, I've been out of college oh, okay. and uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, describe, to describe that piece and like how, how you created that and, and that creative process. And also if you, if you'd like, uh, the name is very interesting <laughs> to me and I would love to hear how you come up with all these different names for your art pieces as well. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I'll go with the uh, main question first and then we can go to the detail of the, uh, that particular yeah. painting. Um, so, um, when I work with my plotters, I am unable to stop. <laughs> so normally my plotters actually run 24-7 when I'm in a plotting session. Uh, so uh, it's, it's great. It makes a lot of noise. But uh, as a result, I actually uh, can make many pieces in a short period of time. Each of the plot probably takes uh, 12 to 20 hours. I think the longest plot that I did was like 40 hours. Um, but I had... Uh, at that time, uh, I had like two, three plotters, and then they run all the time. So you can imagine how many pieces that I'm generating uh, every single year. Uh, I think in 2021, uh, I did a kind of end of a year review to see how many pieces that I had. And it was around uh, 380, close to 400. Um, so you see post-processing them is definitely a challenge. Uh, originally, I tried to name every single one uh, individually, but at the end, it was just too difficult. Uh, but I also don't want to give my pieces like a kind of numerical name. I don't want to have just a random name associated with them uh, or pure random. So what I did was I trained a text generating model 
um, I forget what was the data. I think the data source was the uh, movie script or uh, TV show script. Uh, so they would be able to, this, this model would be able to generate, uh, let's say, you know, 10 words, <laughs> conversation lines for me. And I use this as my name generator uh, for all of my plotter pieces. Um, so some of the names actually are funny. <laughs> they make sense. They are kind of kind of a joke, um, but some of them are just really really hilarious. Uh, so I love this method of making generative names for my generative paintings. Um, and I have been out of college is a piece where the name seems to be matching uh, the timeline. Um, so when I created that piece, uh, I was actually, uh, I think, several months out of grad school. So perfect time to have that name. Um, so uh, I, so that piece is actually quite a special piece because um, uh, that algorithm eventually got translated into the Ronnieman collection, uh, which is the art box uh, collection which I released last year. Um, yeah, so that piece is, uh, I'd say, one of my favorite algorithms so far. It looks really organic and uh, uh, quite uh, a lot of me in it. I really felt like that algorithm is something that I just keep drawing, um, keep sketching, and then I just decided to make it into a more uh, grand system, which is the uh, Ronnie Moon collection. Yeah, I. That's so funny that you say that because that's exactly like how I feel with it. Even though I didn't make it, but it's just like I really just love that um, piece of art, and it's so cool to hear how it all began too. And yeah, I was always wondering that too. Just like I noticed that your pieces of art have uh, very you know unique names, and I was wondering if that was the reason. Um, I think I heard of it before, but um, that you do generate them, and so it was very. I wanted to pick your brain on it. Do you ever get uh, a name where you're just like, no, like I have to generate again, like, oh, it's not gonna work. A, a lot of them. So normally I, <laughs> I don't pre-filter stuff, but for this name generator, I really have to uh, proofread everything because the data source I mentioned, uh, it's uh, the, uh, like the movie script or uh, TV script, right? And <laughs> there are a lot of uh, curse <laughs> swear words inside yeah. of those uh, so you will get really uh, kind of offensive <laughs> taglines um, so I, I pre-filter my names yeah okay yeah that's <laughs> which honestly transitions perfectly to the next question because mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if you ever you know uh, interacted or intersected a a challenge facing creative generative art because you know you do have to navigate um, that intersection of art and technology. So that is one of them. Obviously, the generation of the names could come up, but is there any other challenges that you face a lot? Mm, uh, great question. Uh, so I think, I mean, there are all levels of challenges, right? For example, how to write this specific function, how to uh, debug the specific things. But I think at a high level, uh, one of my, uh, I, as a, area of improvement or things that I want to uh, work on uh, soon is how to make my, how to kind of communicate my vision without uh, overwhelming my <laughs> devices. Um, so I'm definitely not a minimalist. Uh, so in my art, you all see like very, uh, I guess, complicated or um, 
many layers of stuff.、Uh, so I love that, and I feel like、uh, art is not about efficiency, most likely. Well, so in, in some genre maybe, but、um, at least in my practice,、uh, I definitely value the、um, output, like the. Uh, the look <laughs> more than the efficiency.、Uh, so there are cases where my program just grew so heavy、uh, because there are so much stuff that I want to throw into it.、Um, so sometimes they are not really friendly for、uh, mobile devices,、um, and that's a challenge that I'm trying to tackle、uh, at this moment.、Uh, but I think in in creating art, there are just so many things that you have to、uh, leverage, right? Like what kind of Artworks you produce, how often do you produce?、Um, you know,、uh, which blockchain do you produce?、Uh, which platform do you release? So all of those are kind of、um, part of the deal. And honestly, I'm I'm really happy to to handle those challenges and issues. Yeah. How would you find the balance between,、um, you know, creating and then expressing your creative process, but then also Because I feel like a, a, some challenges could be that you know you have that that math and algorithmic value of it where you have to put an output and you're expecting something, but then you also understand that it's generative art and it's like it's it's supposed to kind of have its own kind of mind.、Um, do you ever find yourself either frustrated or how do you embrace that struggle with? Okay, I know it's algorithmic and it's supposed to be this, but it's also let it it's art and you have to let it thrive in its own way.、Mm, I think.、Um... At least for me, I normally try to have some level of control over my code.、Uh, so、um, when I'm creating an artwork, we have this ability to set a range, right? So let's say if a point can go from, you know, one hundred pixel to five hundred pixel、uh, in radius.、Uh, so knowing that range and having the ability to tweak that range. Is very key, I think, to the generative artist's job.、Uh, so for me, I just tweak it to the point where I am happy with the range. So I need to see like the 100、uh, pixel version, the 500 pixel version, and then a lot of middle examples、uh, to be sure that the output that I have、uh, is ideal or like sounds good to me.、Um, there are definitely a lot of, I guess, surprises with generative art,、um, but I feel like. If there are too much surprise or like too out of control,、um, I、uh, sometimes worry that they wouldn't be able to really convey what I want to tell.、Uh, so what I do is just do a lot of testing.、Uh, so for every single、uh, long-form generative art pieces that I have released, I have so many testing files. I basically just keep. Uh, refreshing my browser,、um, I actually have an automatic program to do this task for me.、Uh, and every day, I probably review like three thousand different output, so that I know if certain aspect is a little bit、uh, out of control, so that I can、um, fine tune my algorithm.、Um, so I guess the high level、uh, idea is that there are surprises, but I think、uh, it's it's within my control. So that that's the aspect that I'm really happy about it. No, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I mean, even you just saying、um, comfortable with the ranges is something new for me to to hear, and、uh, I think that's a really good outlook to look at it. You know, you, you can't always know what exactly is going to happen, but as long as you set, you know, your conceptual preferences and be like, okay, whatever happens within these ranges, I'm good with.、Uh, I think that's a really great lens to look at it from that I haven't heard it from, and it's a 
way to keep it more vague and open to your creation. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. And I know it's been challenging and I see the, the challenges too, but it's a great creative process. And I wanted to know, like, you know, how do you, how, how do you see or think that the NFT market will evolve in the, in the coming years, whether it's like encoding that it gets easier um, or just the future of NFT within the artwork and in the world? How do you think it, um, it would evolve? Mm, so I'm definitely uh, not someone who is super, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, knowledgeable in the finance world or in the marketing side. So uh, in the market side, uh, so I guess I wouldn't be able to predict or uh, say anything about the market but one thing that I'm really certain about is that um, you know the art will be there and uh, blockchain is definitely going to be uh, the one to to support this and uh, uh, I have full confidence in all the artists that I follow and uh, no matter how I guess the market situation goes I think we will be there (laughs) so in a way I'm pretty confident uh, that I love my collection, love the NFTs that I have collected. Um, and uh, I guess I'll be here. So, <laughs> yeah. Great and great because we want you to be here and we're so thankful for everybody that has been um, because, yeah, I, I'm not sure about the markets either, but the important thing is the artists and their stories and your guys' artwork getting portrayed and elevated um, through the museum and through the world. So. That's, I'm glad you'll still be here. We'll still be here supporting you and uplifting you as well. And I'm so glad that, you know, that that outlook for artists is going to change and, you know, there'll be more appreciation. Um, how do you think the NFTs can help the artists maintain ownership and control over their work? You know, do you, do you see any benefits uh, of the use of blockchain technology for the art world so far? I mean, I know we've seen it from our side and, and through the web three side of it, but as an artist's point of view, how, how have you seen it impact artists' lives? Uh, well, there are so many <laughs> aspects and I feel like we could probably spend forever. Uh, but I think I just want to point out one thing for generative artists particularly. Um, so generative art is a form of art that emphasizing on the system. Uh, so instead of creating one piece, we are creating a system that is used to generate uh, the output. You could generate one output or generate a thousand output, uh, doesn't matter, all generative art. Um, so uh, I think previously, most people just saw the output, uh, but really um, don't have a way to interact with uh, the system. The system basically got uh, pushed into the background or hidden somewhere in the artist's drive, never got a show anywhere. Uh, so with uh, blockchain technology, particularly with long-form generative art supported by uh, platforms such as Artbox and the FX Hash, uh, I think generative art really um, gained its focus because now people have a way to learn about the system and then to interact directly uh, with the system through minting. Uh, so I think for generative artists, this is really precious because it feels like now our um, creation, the system, like our babies, <laughs> finally have its stage to shine. Um, so in a way, I feel like this is uh, amazing for generative artists, uh, particularly. I love the way that you just described that. I don't think I've heard that before, but I think you're completely right in terms of generative art being able to expose the system. I think that's a great takeaway. And I know that we we have a lot of, of questions that we could continue to ask, but because we also have a live audience, I want to make sure that others get a chance to 
chat with you and ask you questions as well. Um, so if you do have a question for Alicia, now is the time to raise your hand. In the last 10 minutes or so, we're going to try to take as many questions as possible. If no one wants to go up first, then Jonathan is going to take it away and, and continue some more questions from our side. I haven't seen anything pop up yet. Check into Discord as well, just to make sure. Don't want to miss anybody's questions. Um, but while we wait, just to, if you guys are forming the questions or you want to type it out, um, I would also, I can continue it. And I would love to ask uh, Alicia, if just any advice that you would love to give to artists who are interested in exploring, you know, generative art and, and creating those pieces of art, like what are, what are some things that you wish you knew in the beginning? And what are some things that you keep telling yourself now to keep going? Mm, I think uh, I really uh, benefited from this kind of continuous practice uh, so when I started making uh, generative art, uh, web-based generative art in, let's say, 2018-ish, um, I didn't uh, have much of a progress because I didn't have those very intentional practices. Uh, so everything changed uh, after I got my plotters because I was basically doing uh, those daily coding sessions and then daily uh, plotting drawing sessions with uh, the plotters. And uh, uh, I've been keeping this kind of daily activities for quite a bit of time. Uh, I think my social media had 900 consecutive days of uh, plotting or creative uh, activity sharing. And really keeping this um, kind of continuous uh, intentional exercise uh, helped me a lot to identify what I like and dislike about uh, um, you know visual language. So. I think for any artist who is about to start uh, to create art, you know, just just do a lot of artworks uh, and uh, do them every single day, make them uh, your daily task. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, it really was a challenge, but now it feels more like a daily breeze. It's like a meal for me that I have to do. Um, and for generative art specifically, I think many people might be scared away because of the uh, coding part and people might be uh, scared because maybe there are mass involved. Um, but honestly, if you get started, everything is uh, reachable. Uh, so there are so many amazing tutorials online and you have tools around. And uh, the most amazing thing is most of the generative art communities are really open to help. So a lot of open source um, or uh, Creative Commons licensed code out, uh, are out there for uh, studies, for examples. Um, and uh, uh, so if you're willing to do a lot of research, I'm sure you can get most of you know everything uh, done. Yeah. Yeah, would you have, uh, I also have been, and you're totally correct, if anybody that is you know interested of diving in and just going in, you know, there's never a really perfect time to when to start, you just got to just dive in and be ready for that journey and I just speaking with artists every week it has been kind of I am also a coder and I okay. have wanted to been really inspired by these conversations and, and trying to go and understand it and been making my own you know experimentations with generative art and understanding and um, you know I, I recently have found some plotters around me as well and I also was curious to hear you know I know you talk about when you when you met your plotter and everything and that like that moment like 
is there something that I that I should be looking for when or anybody looking for when they're looking for plotters or that's something that speaks to them or how to dial that in that research, I guess? Mm, uh, for plotters, I think um, what fascinates about plotters for me is that they are so precise, but sometimes they're also a little bit of... Um, unpredictable it depends on the material that you're using uh, so you really have to get to know your plotters and your materials uh, for instance uh, several weeks ago I was uh, doing some ink testings and then I had the weirdest bug ever so I have one pen and if I draw in different directions this pen would have two different colors um, and it took me a, a conversation and kind of several hours of looking at my material to realize that it's actually the paper grain uh, that makes the pen performing dramatically differently. Um, so I think with plotter pieces, uh, it's just uh, important to, well, at least for me, it's more enjoyable to uh, look at how the material um, combines together into the final piece and uh, yeah, enjoying the physical realities of it, I guess. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I've been on the prowl and I have been looking and I'm just like, oh my God, I have no idea if there's something that specifically. So <laughs> I wanted to save that question for you. So I appreciate you for that. Um, and really, that's that's all the questions that I had for you. Is there something that you wanted to kind of br brush up on or, or, you know, put the spotlight on before? Mm, well, I will be going to Tokyo pretty soon for the Bright Moment event. Uh, so if anyone Ooh. hear this and uh, want to, um, you know, say hi in Tokyo, I'll be there for the uh, full length of the event. Very cool. And then where can people find your, your, your artwork or if anything they want to, you know, stay in touch with mm -hmm. you uh so uh, twitter and uh, instagrams are um probably the easiest way uh i also have a website uh it's uh, eyesofpanda.com it's a website that i've been using for years um it will uh, it has kind of a, a display of some of my art as well as uh the documentations for uh, several uh, important collections that I have. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about my art, you can head over to my website. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you for that. And thank you. It was such a privilege and speaking with you today um, has been such a highlight. So thank you again for your time. I know it's super late over there for you, but it's been an enjoyable um, 45 minutes and everybody that has tuned in I want to thank you so much for tuning in on this Friday um, for our weekly Twitter space series and if you didn't catch everything or you want to revisit the conversation you can find the spaces on here on Twitter but I also will be uploading everything to our podcast platform so you can go ahead and catch them on the go there uh, or whenever you want to you know revisit this conversation and uh, Alicia again from from me and everybody at the Seattle NFT Museum uh, we thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for having me and uh, hope uh, I'll get a chance to visit the museum again. <laughs> yes, yes. Let us know. We'll, we'll be glad to host you. It would be our privilege. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good one. Of course. You too. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye.